Welcome everyone to our February Soul Nectar Tribe Gathering, where we are talking about the mastery of love by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I'm going to go ahead and stop share. And I'm Carrie Hummingbird, medicine woman mentor, messenger. I am Akeem Sami, martial artist, massage therapist, network engineer. And we love this book and we love Soul Nectar Tribe. And uh, we're so excited to see all of you here and are really excited for another, another month of Soul Nectar Tribe. So we, we chose this book because it's got so much good stuff. If you ever take a look at it or listen to the audio and it illuminates the fear-based beliefs and assumptions that, that undermine love and lead to suffering and drama in our relationships. And some key things that it explains is why domestication and the image of perfection lead to self-rejection. It also explains why the war of control that slowly destroys most relationships. And maybe you've had a relationship like that, the war of control in the relationship, and it just kills it. And it also explains why we hunt for love in others and how to capture the love inside of ourselves and also how to finally accept and forgive ourselves and others. So this community gathering is free to the public and it gives you a taste of the conversations that Akeem and I facilitate all month long through our daily drips of inspiration in the Soul Nectar Tribe portal on Telegram. So we operate the community on Telegram and uh, we welcome you to join us. We're still running a special. It's only $52 for all of 2024 because we're getting this community off the ground and we're really excited about it. Oh yeah. So we thought we would just lead you through some discussion points about the book and things that we found really relevant. Yeah, and it's it's a short read but it is chock full of amazing tidbits. Even if you've read it once before, even if you've read this book two times, if you've read it five times, 10 times, 20 times, you're still gonna get a new layer as you upgrade. This is just one of those timeless, awesome books by Don Miguel Ruiz Sr. Uh, Last month, uh, we had Don Miguel Ruiz Jr.'s uh, book, uh, Mastery of Self. This month, it is Mastery of Love, which is our interrelationship to not only the outside world of our bodies, but also how we treat ourselves in the many pieces and parts of ourselves. We get the opportunity to like look at the different segments of ourselves and the reason that we segment ourselves out. Uh, some things that I've studied in the past uh, relating to psychology and psychotherapy, they talk about something called the cracked identity. And the cracked identity is usually trauma related. And through trauma, there's this need to not be oneself, but separate versions of yourself. Um, We'll eventually get back into that. That actually comes up with some other awesome things, but we have some other juicy items that we'll talk about first. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as Akeem was talking about, you know, in this particular book, and, you know, I have my handy dandy copy right here that is dog-eared. Um, I got this book years ago it's because not yours until it's dog-eared. <laughs> it's, it's not yours until it's highlighted yeah. and dog-eared and, you know, 
But, you know, when I started off um, waking up, right, to love, waking up out of fear, waking up into love um, in 2012, uh, I got the Four Agreements book first. And I read that book 40 times front to back because as soon as I read that book, I think, oh, that's so easy. I can just go do that. And I would go try to practice it and I would make a mistake. Anybody else? Like, you're like, yeah, that's not easy to do. <laughs> so, and you know, about 2013, I started studying with Heather Ashamara, who was a, a protege of Don Miguel Ruiz. And uh, she studied, she's uh, still part of his family. I mean, she's apprenticed with him for a really long time now, I don't know, 20 years, a long time. So uh, I learned from her and man, this was the next book I picked up was a mastery of love because I wanted to master love. You know, I was looking for love in all the wrong places, like the song, huh? <laughs> looking for love in too many faces, hoping to find, you know, that, that spark of something inside, right. The that I ache. <laughs> and trying to love somebody and then getting disappointed or having them disappointed in me. And then the love is gone and then it's not good enough. And then I'm back to the whole, you know, and then I got to go find somebody else. And so I was like a dating queen I was for a while there. I was just, I was like, let me find out what else I don't like about myself. Let's go date somebody new. Well, did you think though that you were finding what you didn't like about yourself or did you just find that you were just completely in disagreement with what this person was doing? Well, you know, I just finally realized that I was dating myself, <laughs> you know, and so like, if I didn't like what I was seeing in the mirror, you know, I, I could do some work on it and I could go again. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I finally realized. But that's what after I read the book, The Mastery of Love, because I was like, what is going on with this situation? Because I'm a smart woman. I can figure this out. I'm likable. What's going on? This cannot be like this. So as I started reading the book. We're going to just lead you through some of the points in case you haven't read it, but we'll, we'll have some fun tonight too. Because um, this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> so anyway, so we begin with the concept of the wounded mind. And welcome everybody as you're coming in. So glad you're here. So we begin with the concept of the wounded mind. And again, for those of you joining, we're working on the mastery of love. You know, this is a great book. Mm -hmm. And we're so afraid of being hurt. Can anybody relate to that? Like, you got defenses, protection systems, like I'm so afraid of being hurt. And, and so this is why we live. And he says, humans live in a continuous fear of being hurt. And this creates a big drama wherever we go. And I read that and I went, oh, like, that's why I have so much drama in my life. I'm it's so like afraid showing up right? of being hurt. I'm so afraid of being rejected. Mm. And then he said, the way humans relate to each other is so emotionally painful that for no apparent reason, we get angry, jealous, envious, sad. And I remember having this feeling, if you guys can relate, it's like, why are they mad at me? What did I do to make that person mad? Has anyone else like just put a reaction if you're like, yeah, also yeah. trying to figure out what I did to make that person so upset. Yeah. What was yeah. wrong with me? What did I do? What's what matter with wrong? me? Yeah. And, and then we have to protect our emotional wounds because when our buttons get pushed, it hurts, right? We, we don't like the person we are when our buttons get pushed. And it's so funny because every single time we pick one of these books, I, of course, experienced the next level of the thing I need to work on related to the text. And it happened today 
out of Akeem just being Akeem parked in my parking spot, which he's <laughs> never done before. And I come home to park in my parking spot and he's parked in my parking spot. And I was like, and I just went, Whoop! you know, it's like the reaction was present. I didn't do anything with it, but it just inside, it was like, you're in my spot. And then I went to the front night and I said, he's pushing my buttons. And then I stopped and laughed <laughs> because we just talked about this yeah, yeah. in the mastery of love book, pushing my buttons. He, can anybody really push your buttons? This is really this whole this whole system is because we're we have these emotional wounds and we're trying to cover them up and like protect ourselves so no one can touch the button. Mm. And so we're trying to do that mm. by changing the other person. Don't don't push my button by parking in my parking space. Mm. Like I made you angry. You made me. Made me. That, that's a key word. Made me. This person made me do this. They made me hurt them. They made me. And say you should have known better yeah, on know. top of all that. Yeah. That's why it's just so ridiculous. He should have known better. That's my spot. Well, Mar Marshall, my, my name should be on it. Yeah, that's true. It should be like a, maybe I should make it like neon gold for the fun of it. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, even no matter what it is, I mean, there's people are going to have reasons that seem legitimate or not legitimate, but it'll still be triggering. Yeah, so even with discernment, even as a teacher, we can still get hooked by these surprises that life hands us. Surprises that life hands yeah. us, otherwise called Akeem Sami. Sure, sure. So and when carry. we, yeah, and ready carry. <laughs> so when we get our buttons pushed, so many people in inner medicine training come into the program and they, they really struggle with this, this concept I'm about to share with you, which I also had a hard time with at first, but then once I started really seeing the wisdom of it, it made life easier. And this bit of wisdom is like, when your button gets pushed or you get triggered from something, do you try to stop the entire outside world from pushing that button or do you go inside and look within and see the source of the trigger within yourself and heal that so that the button doesn't, it's not a button anymore. Like it doesn't exist anymore because you already healed it. And so I always advocate for the second method because otherwise you're fighting the entire world, trying to get them to stop mm. doing what they're doing. And most of the time, they don't even know they're doing what they're doing. That's my observation. Or they're so conditioned. That's just the way they are. That's just yeah. how they see reality. And, you know, we, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but definitely in our time together, as Akeem and I have explored um, racial equity, right? Mm -hmm. And the color ladder and all of these things in our private relationship and, yeah. and some other speaking engagements, this was one of the conclusions that we came to is that we can't stop the whole world from saying slurs and from taking these behaviors. Yeah. All we can do is have our own inner power yeah. where we heal the wounds related to those things. Yeah. Our own inner medicine, which, I mean, that's kind of a, a hint toward Carrie's program called the inner medicine program. But this is going back to the same importance of self resiliency and the belief that you can have the resiliency and also the energy of you don't have to do this alone. There's shadows 
that this conversation even brings up. And there were two that I actually got uh, from this entire book. One is the shadow of martyrdom. And there was a, a quote, basically, self-pity comes from self-disrespect. So the woe is me is saying, I really pity myself. I really feel like I don't have everything that I need. And I really feel like it's not fair. And I really feel like it's a stacked deck. And I really feel like no matter what I do, someone will try to step on me or prevent me from. You notice the undertone of that came with fear of the future. The second was the procrastination shadow. The consequence of our action or the consequence of no action. So this, this fear to act or this fear of doing something wrong. Or saying to, the wrong thing. It causes you not to act at all. So that, that mm -hmm. brings on this procrastination. So it also is there, according to what I've, I've learned here, uh, it's a rewarding of the responsibility within your opportunity to improve yourself. Yeah. And so you know? let's, let's. And, and it compounds and it needs um, going back to light for resolution. Yeah. And, but we have to make a key decision before we get there. And that is that we're going to stop protecting our emotional wounds. Mm. We have to make that decision. Mm. And, uh, you know, we got to put aside the mask because this is the other aspect yeah. because the wounded, the wounded mind protects itself with a social mask, right? That's the, the image of perfection, the social mask that we wear, like the, anyone ever practiced the poker face, like, you can't, you didn't get to me with that. You did not poke my buttons. I am, but meanwhile, inside I'm seething and I'm really pissed, but like, I'm like, no poker face, man, you don't get hand on me. I don't know. Does that, did anybody else go through it? It's just me, but like, right. Like there's this jockeying of who is in the power position. Who's the one that doesn't need the love and acceptance and who's the one that's addicted to it. Right. And so we create these power dynamics in our relationships because of these wounds that we're trying to protect and these false masks and these identities we wear in order to disguise the fact that it actually hurts mm. and that we don't want to be hurt. Right. And that we think the other person or the outside world somehow has the source of our own love, our own validation. We need something out there in order to be full. Mm. Yeah. It, it, came to me as a, a defense mechanism to morph and adapt to what I felt like people wanted to hear from me in the room, what they wanted to feel from me, what they expected to see from me in this room that I'd be in. And that's a pleaser strategy. There's all, we talked about the strategies mm -hmm. in the intermedicine training, pleaser strategy, yeah. distractor strategy. We distract from things so we don't have time. You know, we get so busy, we can't take a look at it and we just keep walking, yeah. you know, or we isolate ourselves. We're like, well, I just won't be around any people because it's too hard. Hmm. You know? And then, and then the last one is like, we got to control everybody, you know, because we got to control our supply hmm. of love. You know, like if somebody else has got your love, you got to figure out how to make sure they keep giving it hmm. right. If they, and if you do the wrong thing, they're going to stop. And they're going to be angry with you and they're because we have unconditional, we have conditional love rather than um, unconditional love. So this is the relationship in hell. So we, we've been describing is hell. Hell is a place of suffering, a yeah. place of fear, a place of war and violence, a place of judgment and no justice, a 
place of punishment that never ends. That's a quote from yeah. the book. Yeah. And hearing what Don Miguel Ruiz Sr. said about this, he right off just boldly said that heaven or hell isn't the place that you go after the end of your life. It's where you're living right now. Right now in based your relationships. Your yeah. Based on how you're owning it or not owning it, the choices that you make, the uh, self-resiliency that you have, the resi- the ability, the, the willingness to reach out to another person, the willingness to face the shadows within, you know? And, and these, these relationships in hell are fraught with danger, you know, because you might step on a landmine, which is somebody's button unknowingly, and then they'll explode because they're really pissed because the button got pushed or the wound got touched, but you're like, I didn't even know I did that, but they get really upset. And then they have all this built up emotional poison that then they release on you because they need to release that energy to feel better. And we do that too. We, you know, once we're full of emotional poison, he says, we have the need to release it. And so we practice releasing the emotional poison by sending it to someone else. And how do we do that? By hooking that person's attention. So he gives an example in the book that's really great about the wife that's really bored or upset or something. And the husband is late getting home and she's stewing. And, and so when he gets home, she's trying to like hook his attention and try to get him engaged in drama, mm-hmm. right. And get into and engage into a fight. And he's trying not to take the bait, but eventually he can't help it. And then she's able to release her emotional poison on him. Right? And this happens, you know, between any two sets of people can happen. Yeah. Until we realize that everyone is hunting the attention of others all the time, right? And and we're touching each other's wounds and we're playing ping pong with the emotional poison. I did that for 20 years in my last marriage. It was really unhappy, you know? And, and what you want to do is love, right? Everyone just, why can't we all just get along? Well, he says we can, but we have to make a few realizations, And we have to realize that love from external sources is like a drug. You know, love is just like a drug, he says. It makes you very high, but it creates a strong need. If you've ever had one of those relationships, you're so addicted, you need the love, but then it's denied at some point when you don't do something you're supposed to do. Yeah. And then there's the keeping of secrets while you try to get what you want from that other person anyway, because you're thinking, well, they'll just say no anyway. So I'm just going to figure out a way to coax it out of them or use some deception to eventually get what I'm looking for in this way to this way to that way. It's, it's kind of like the big jewelry heist. You're looking for some sort of way into the vault. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a rat race, right? Yeah, because people play power over each other by giving or withholding love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. So the person who's like the dealer of love that's the one that has all the power. They provide the drug of love to the other person. The other person is the addict. They need the love in order to feel good about themselves. If they don't get their daily dose of love, something's missing, something's empty, something's sad. It doesn't work. And so what happens, the person is the biggest need for love becomes the drug addict. And the one who has a little need for love becomes a provider. And that's the one, the provider is the one that controls the whole relationship. So you get into these power dynamics, jockeying for power over the other, and you have a war of control to see who can manipulate who 
And who's going to be the, and that's the poker face thing I was talking about that comes in. It's like, I don't care what you just said. Hmm. So everyone's kind of shielding and guarding and has like these false masks and, and, you know, and, and this is all because we put our happiness in someone else's hands. And he says, if you take your happiness and put it in someone's hands, sooner or later, she's going to break it. Through no, through no it. desire of her own. She's just yeah. not going to understand what your happiness is because she's not you or he's not you. And if you give your happiness to someone else, they can always take it away if you don't do what they want or there's like that control manipulation and game. They, and they may not even know that they're taking it away. Maybe they're just saying, I want my security and I want my freedom. And they're going for their safety. But you're triggered thinking that they're resisting loving you. When it's really they're going for their own personal self-love because they have a deep need for it. And a lot of this boils down to a key realization. Mm. We're not dreaming the same dream. There you go. <laughs> we think we are, right? Mm. We make the mistake of thinking that we're all dreaming the same dream. And that the version of me that I have in my mind well, you have exactly the same version of me in your mind, don't you? Hmm. You know, you, you said something there really <laughs> powerful because when I went out to meet people, when I first started getting into the dating like scene, so to speak, I was looking for people who thought like me. So I would say certain things with certain mentalities, certain thoughts. Basically, I would play with different masks until I have a mask that I feel like this is my mask that I like to wear. So I'll wear that mask and then speak from that mask. And whoever seems interested, oh, they want to participate with me in that mask. Meanwhile, in my deeper self, I didn't know that I was wearing a mask. I forgot. And this is what <laughs> Don Miguel Ruiz Sr. and Jr. talk about. You forget that you're wearing the mask. And next thing you know, you're living a lie. And then when you get that person home, you find out <laughs> that they it. are much more than that one mask they showed you on the date. Yeah. And then you start living with them and you're like, who is this alter ego? Like this person is not who I signed up with. And then it's easy to take it personally, feeling like I'm lied to and they manipulated me and this is a narcissist. And, there's, and then there's... all of those labels get bandied about. But really what's yeah. happening is that the person had a sense of denial about them. They have a, a lack of self-respect mm. for who they actually are mm. and a, and a feeling of unworthiness and a feeling of having to put a mask on in order to get love from the outside, to be what somebody else wants so they can get the commodity of love, right. From the other person. And whenever we do that, we're living a lie yeah. to ourselves and our, and we can't sustain it. Yeah. The false personality is unsustainable, especially in a marriage. You get into a relationship, you're, the pressure goes up, right? As and all the does. cracks yeah. appear. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second. The, you know, you have shadows. You have you have faults. You make mistakes. You're supposed to be perfect. What? You make mistakes. And you don't I do thought, it all right all the time. And I thought that we thought exactly <laughs> the same. So if met with a certain scenario and we don't handle it the same, now, uh -oh. wait a minute, this person lied to me or they were shifted or- Or they deceived me or they gaslit me into thinking that they believed the way I did. And then I found out they didn't. Well, what if all of that whole conversation is just a misunderstanding mm. about the fact that we don't live the same reality? We all, we all live our own reality. 
And the other person, even our closest person only sees like a fraction into a window of our reality to understand us, but they don't really ever understand. That's why you can't give your happiness to someone else. They don't actually know what makes you happy. They can guess, but they don't really know. And if you don't know what makes you happy, how are you going to create happiness? And, and this comes to, you know, this other part about because we're not dreaming the same dream, you know, we can pretend to be the same, to think the same, to feel the same, to dream the same, but there's no way that can happen because we are two different dreamers with two different dreams. So the medicine here to make a relationship work is to realize that every dreamer dreams his own way. Every dreamer dreams his own way. We need to accept that there's differences between the dreamers and respect each other's dreams. And I got a, I had a really great interview with, um, one of the brothers about this. And he said to me, Carrie, yeah. Um, was it Don Jose? Don Jose Ruiz? Yeah. And yeah. he said to me, Carrie, if you went into an art gallery and you saw some art that you didn't prefer, you would not take your paints to the canvas and fix it. <laughs> oh so God. why would you fix your partner? Oh. This is, you know, when we talk about good relationship when we talk about is it's about respect yeah. so let we're going to go over some of the main tenets yeah. of the track of love and the track of fear so the track of love love has no obligations and fear is full of obligation that's how you know you're in fear love has no expectations fear is full of expectations <laughs> I've, I've lived that life. I know mm, mm, love. love, love is based on respect yeah. and fear doesn't respect anything, including itself. That's <laughs> so like very thorough in that way. And love is ruthless. It doesn't feel sorry for anyone. And it has a lot of compassion for what we're going through. So ruthless, not sorry for you <laughs> and has a lot of compassion. And that's because why? Well, fear, fear is, is full of pity and it feels sorry for everyone. It gets back to that martyrdom thing you were talking about. It gets about. back to the self-disrespect and also the not respect for another person's journey. That their journey is prescribed by their path. Even if it looks painful to me, it's still not my movie. I can do the best I can with compassion to reach out with my heart. For instance, um, last Friday, I was at work and as an engineer and I witnessed EMS and firefighter department pull over to the side of a, of a, of a highway, just on the walkway on the sidewalk, someone had, uh, fell down. I, I don't know if it was a heart attack or whatever, but they fell out and they were trying to resuscitate them. I stood out there for 30 minutes watching them constantly switch from person to person trying to resuscitate them they tried their hardest they did such a wonderful job trying to help resuscitate this person but it wasn't meant to be the person didn't survive unfortunately you know and seeing that i was even facing my feelings of, of sadness and sorrow that this person lost their life today and at the same time i've got to go to the place of I don't know what their journey was. Uh, I can reach out with my heart and say that I wish you the absolute best. And I send you as much as I can send you from inside this body of blessings and love and support. 
even if there was something I could do, I would offer the support. But if there isn't, it's already being done. So I've got to let that go that I can control this other person's artwork, even if it ends in a way that I don't like to see it end. Yeah. And that's really, that's really judging their, their movie script that their soul wrote, right? It's like saying, well, that's not a very good ending. That's a terrible way to go. <laughs> you know, we do that all the time with each other, right? We'll be like, that's just a terrible way to go. And then we'll be like, yeah, that is really, well, we actually, <laughs> it's just an innocent thing that we're doing, but it's, but really what we're doing is we're disrespecting somebody's journey when we do that. Yeah. And, and I caught myself <laughs> the other day, even saying about some other situation, I feel so sad for this person. And then it caught myself. Mm. It's like, no, <laughs> number one, I'm not going to make myself feel anything other. Cause this is back to be impeccable with the word, anything other than great, right? Like I feel good in myself. Then the, then it's like, I have compassion for this person's journey. This person's journey is really opening my heart with compassion. That's, that's more like the line that I'm holding. And, and, you know, so as healers, as helper healers, we can really slip into that martyrdom, that pity track. And so we got to be mindful of that because, because love is completely responsible. Yeah. Every one of us is completely responsible for our life's journey. And when we stand on that solid ground, we can have respect for each other. Mm. But fear fear avoids the responsibility, but that doesn't seem to mean that it's not responsible. It's trying to plan in advance to create a successful measure. So you can see where fear does have a place to have to at least inspire you to do better. But it, it's, you know, fear is definitely looking for all the angles of how it could avoid responsibility you know, and deny it and deflect it and project it. And, you know, yeah. so that's all the shadow work that we do also in inner medicine. Mm -hmm. And when you, but when you are completely responsible in yourself, when you know that this is your journey and when you stand in responsibility for everybody, you're also standing that everybody's capable, that everyone's capable of living the life that they selected. Everyone's capable at a soul level, they're capable. And so when we see people that way, that's kind, that's kind to see somebody in that way, capable, empowered, able, but fear is unkind it's always unkind yeah. <clears throat> it's like you can't do that fear says you you just that was a sucky ending or you should have done that better or it's got a million judgments right like it really could tear you down well and you can see the mercurial aspect of it and mercurial somehow having a negative connotation even though it's just if you apply it without the judgment it's just logical information it's just logical information to process to take or leave it's raw like that, but fear usually includes that extra hook, that emotional hook in the it. The emotional hook. That wants to pull you into some drama. To make you lower how you feel about yourself so that you're more in a place of deficit so that you'll want your hit of love from the other person, hmm. right? So you back to the addict. Yeah. Like now you feel like crap. So now you need love, right? To feel better. Hmm. And so love is unconditional. True love, not addict love, but like, Actual love mm -hmm. is unconditional. And fear is full of conditions. You, you have to follow this rule book. If it's not in this rule book, it's not love. Yeah. If you, in the track of fear, mm -hmm. I love you if you let me control you. <laughs> or I love you if you do this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing, even if it's not in your agreement, it's what I want. I love you as long as you don't park in my parking space. There you go. <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> 
If you fit the image I made for you. Yeah. You got to look a certain way. Why aren't you the way? person I thought you were inside my mind? It's like you're supposed to be bald. Yeah, I have a, I have an idea in my mind about who you're supposed to be. <laughs> you need to be my knight in shining armor. Like get with it, dude. <laughs> You shape know, up, so we have shape, shape up. up, man. Yeah. Like, don't you know, I have a vision in here and you're not matching up, you know, and then we go uh, out and then we go to the next one. That was me yeah. for a long time dating until I found somebody who was a match for me. And, and in the track of love, this was interesting to me. There's justice in the track of love. If you make a mistake in the track of love, unconditional love, you only pay once mm. from mm. that mistake one time. And if you really love yourself, you learn from that mistake because mm. <laughs> you, know? you, do the, you, do you support work. yourself to do your work, to learn, right? Mm. And evolve. But in the track of fear, there's no, there's no justice. Basically, it's you pay for something again and again. Thousands and again of times. And again, right? The story is told. Anyone yeah. have that? Like the story was told over and over. <laughs> And, and it was like told at Thanksgiving dinner there and that, you, you know, and you're like, I'm never going to live this down. That one time I was complimented and I didn't answer back with a loving response. The one or, time I lost my crap because I got upset. The one time. The one time someone asked me for their number <laughs> and I was just turned away and not focused on them at all. You know, it was completely disconnected. And, oh, you see how I, I, that happened. Like Never 30 for, years ago. And then we often laugh about this because we watched this TV series. I don't know which one it was, but we, this is the funny line. I will never forget. What is that what he said? It was, it was a terrorism. I will never forget. It was, it was a terrorism it's, show. And it was some terrorism about, thing. It was like, it's like, oh my God, this is why we have going on in the world. I will never do. forget. Oh. And I will make you pay over oh, and over. Until yeah. I'll kill you a thousand times. <laughs> so, Okay. <laughs> We're trying to do a little bit better here on New Earth, yes. <laughs> leaving some of those patterns. So how do we, so how do we master relationships? Well, two halves to every relationship is existence. Here, this is what we're looking at. In every relationship with the two halves, one half is for you, and one half is for me. I have to do my work. I have to do my own work. I have to too. clean up my garbage. You have to clean your own garbage. You're and, not going to clean my you, garbage. And for you're me? not going to throw out mine. Not cleaning up your garbage. I already cleaned it up mm. mine. Okay. Get your broom out and get to work. There you go. You know, so and, and even if even if I feel like my garbage is so overwhelming, or my garbage doesn't stink, <laughs> then there you go. So I still have to figure out how to throw my trash away. My garbage isn't garbage, it's a decoration, it's a piece <laughs> of art. What are you talking about? You know, this is where we get into like we're like, listen, person. You should know that in reality, mm. yeah. this is how it is, right? Mm. And we tell them, like, in reality, you're just, you're not clued into reality. Because in reality, this is how you should be behaving. And they go, uh, 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 well, in my reality, <laughs> I've never seen that. So this is, again, is where we need to realize we're not, you know, there not might be like, thing. You know, the Venn diagram thing with like the two, the two circles and like the part in the middle meets, that part is a shared dream. Mm -hmm. The rest of this whole thing on either side is individual dreams. We don't understand each other in those places because we can't possibly get that. There's so much information. Well, and, and for years, I, I prescribed to the fairy tale reality. You know, it's exactly like this. And this person does this and they completely know telepathically 
what the other person needs. And I shouldn't have to tell you what I need. You should just know. I I can't. Why don't you just, you must not be the right person for me if you don't know what I need. Oh man. And then the times I slipped on my face, (laughs) you know, thinking that I, this is totally what she needs. No, it's not what she needs. Yeah. So, and, and also it's, it's not up to you to control the other half. This part has been tough for me. I have to admit. (laughs) <laughs> well, I've had a little practice with this one myself, you know. <laughs> because if it, you know, if it's pushing my buttons, I want to control it to make it stop, you know. And uh and but with this, that was that's disrespectful because respecting your partner is you got to respect your partner's responsible for their half and their path. If we respect, we know that our partner is completely responsible for his or her own half. Mm. And if we respect the other half, there's always going to be peace in the relationship. It's when we disrespect them that there's not peace, right? And so mastering love takes practice. We've got to practice it. Yeah. We don't need to justify our love or explain our love. We just need to practice love. Practice creates the master. And you know, taking out the garbage is part of that practice. Loving and accepting your partner and his or her garbage—that's that's the extra challenge, that's, right? You know, I love you. Like, I don't love that. your garbage. Look at that heaping <laughs> pack of smoking garbage behind you. I'm supposed to just see you, and yes, yes. But you gotta love. Unconditional it. love is all of it. It's like loving and accepting all of the person and their garbage because their garbage is their sole curriculum. It's their lesson. You know, it's what they're here to learn and they're so working well on it. So well and, said. you know, I actually saw this thing on Facebook, on um, Instagram a couple of weeks ago. And it said, if you're still trying to wake people up, you're still sleeping. <laughs> and this kind of merges with this, you know, because because he's talking about how, you know, we we when we respect our partner, we also don't try to shove them out of their dream, mm. like to make them comply with our dream. I'm going to heal you. Like I'm going to fix you so that you're the right person, you know, that I want. We, and we don't, we don't judge them for like, if we can see there's been many times that Akeem has witnessed me in my garbage and he has just sat back, like inside he's, he's seeing that I'm wrestling with my garbage and he doesn't say anything. He's just like, sounds like you're having a tough time. You know, it's like, I'm here for you. And that sounds difficult. And he'll say things like that. But then like about a year later, after I've resolved that thing, I'll come back and I'll say, oh, I just realized, you know, this is the resolution to that thing. And he'll look at me and say, I'm so glad you finally realized that, (laughs) (laughs) which is somewhat annoying sometimes because you could have just told me, but, you know, but actually it's respectful. Mm. It's really respectful to not like try to give other people, your answers, Mm. you know, which is in inner medicine training, we really respect people's thumbprint journey. You know, we recognize we're all living a unique dream and there's not one answer, you know, there's, there's questions that can be helpful for inquiry to open up, you know, dialogue, to open up insight, but to respect each other's dream is to also honor where everyone's at in their journey, honoring their path, honoring their path. And, and, you know, the fun part about realization is when it happens, not when someone else like you know, paints the whole picture for you and then says, Hey, put your name on here. I painted your picture, (laughs) but like gives you some paints in a canvas and lets you create something as a parent. That is so So hard. So you just want them to be set up for success. You want, you don't want want them to have any pain, but you want to feel like, you know, when you're 40, 50 years of experience, you know how to set up their life just right. 
if they do it exactly but the way that I did it. But if we do it all for them, forty years ago, <laughs> they don't learn how to do it themselves. Yeah. And it's and it's like not. It's also putting our dream on the other person. Mm. The other person might come to a radically different conclusion if they went inside and found it for themselves. Mm. And so what we're about is is really transitioning all of these patterns we've been talking about to self-responsibility, to really helping each other take that risk, you know, feel your wound if you need to feel it, be transparent if you want to share that there's, Hey, that just tripped on a wound. And, you know, it's not your fault, not blaming or making it someone's fault, but just like, Oh, you, that just, I just had a tripwire, you know, whoops. And I just noticed something inside that I just went Shoop. and, and I went, I need a moment to process that before I interact with you. Cause I don't want to put my poison on you. Right. I, wow. I'm just going to release Beautiful. it into the earth. I'm going to just breathe and process and release my own poison. So you just taking said, responsibility for our poison. That is so awesome. You just said how important isolation and silence is for processing. You don't always have to process all of the inner processing within yourself with your sacred partner. You do need to have your own space where you can process your own <laughs> this stuff. This is probably for me right now. Oh, this is for me. Okay. Damn. <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm in the first person here. So, you know, there's, there's, there's times when there are certain things that's coming out. It's like, what is, what's that? It's like, you're, you're hearing certain anomalies come out in your thoughts. It's like, that's a strange thought. What does that mean? Hmm, let's go process mm-hmm. that. And then I realized that it was a part of a, a compartmentalized fear from when I was five years old about something. Yeah. Back to when Akeem was, we started this conversation talking about how the wounded mind creates all these splinters of personality, right? All these masks that we wore at different parts of our lives to create Mm -hmm. safety for ourselves. And then it's like, what mask am I going to use with this person, you know, so that I can get along with them and they'll like me. And then what, what mask am I going to show over here so that I can get love from the outside? And what mask am I going to show right here? And then you get all those people in the same room, and the person doesn't know how to be. This actually happened with, with one of my partners where I, I threw a surprise party and I invited people from work and people from this other club that we were part of and people from over here. And he got really mad and he was like, I don't know how to be right now because I'm a, I've been segmenting myself like an orange and now I don't know how to be with all the people in the same room. Hmm. And I was like, well, I don't really know what that's about because I'm an apple, but okay, I'm sorry. You know, like I'm the same with everybody, you know. <laughs> so so this is where, you know, what how however, whatever strategy your particular protection system devised because of your upbringing to protect you, that's also part of what you're working through, right? As you start to heal, like you're working through healing that. And you might have a partner that doesn't, that doesn't understand that at all. Cause it's not their experience. And so this is where it's really important to like, understand that everybody's operating with their own, um, wounded mind, you know, and bringing it back into love. And, and so sometimes what we can do when we're like that is we can create agreements for the relationship and, it's not, I will love you and, you know, till death do us part and I'm your slave. You know, that was my first marriage. Obviously I, I broke my agreement because I got divorced, but that was a really uncomfortable thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. So it was just really like, man, uncomfortable. 
But what happened was when I met Akeem, I, we'd, I, we'd both been studying the four agreements and we'd both been studying all these things. And we said, what if we wrote our own agreements for our relationship? So we wrote out like seven agreements. Yeah. And to be, to be looked at and reviewed every anniversary. And we enjoy it. Every single time we look over it, we review the four agreements or the five agreements because it's this fifth agreements, right? Discernment. And we go back and revise. And then we look at our particular agreements, our seven that we wrote. And then one year, the second year, we actually added one because we realized, whoops, we forgot something. Yeah, yeah. But then it's been pretty much the same. We just put the next date on it. You know, we put this big, we made this big artwork where we put it up and we put it on the wall. And so we look at it every day. That's her idea. I like art. That's awesome. And so we looked at it. We look at it every day and we say, are we doing this? When I look at it, I say, am I still doing this? Am I still honoring his highest? Am I still doing this? Am I doing this today? And I remind myself and I ask myself, am I holding Akeem to his highest? highest? Am I holding me to my highest? These are some of our agreements. And so I always recommend when people get married that they create your own set of agreements. Or if you enter a relationship of any kind, you can create your own set of agreements for that relationship. And that's really empowering because those are just between you and that person. Like, what are our agreements? And yeah. not like, and don't take my parking spot. Well, but- and, well, this sure, sure. That's the third dimension part. <laughs> but no, and along with these Cheaper agreements, things. keeping in mind, and this is something that showed up several times in, in a lot of the different books that we've studied about the Toltec community. One word that means something to me may mean something different to the other person. I mean, different to you. And it'll even have a different feeling, even if it's the same word. If we both know what happiness means, we have our own interpretation of what happiness feels like. It feels differently. There's even different synapses that go off in the same general, same region, but in in the brain to the body, it's played out a certain way. There's certain smells that you might get. There's certain things that you'll hear. There's certain memories from your particular life that'll come in that makes it a completely different experience. So reviewing in our relationship, uh, what does this word mean to us? And being willing to look at it again the next year requires so much patience, love, and both of you can at least be on one accord in that. It's not that I'm gonna own her interpretation or she has to own my interpretation we find the place that we're both at together we find a spot in the middle in the overlapping circles the Venn diagram, you know where like we can agree say. like this is what's happening and and you know and and this gets to the magical kitchen hmm. because the magical kitchen in the book he talks about is such a wonderful analogy hmm. is when you invite people over and you cook them a nice meal and you say, I've got plenty of food for you. Here's my magical kitchen. I'm going to cook you dinner and I have all kinds of food here and whatever you want. And, it, you know, you just come and hang out and it's all good. Like there's no price to pay for it. There's no strings attached. You know, I'm not going to come back later and be like, hey, remember that? Remember that meal I cooked you like 10 steak. years ago? Like you steak. owe me. You know, <laughs> like it's not going to be that. It's just I'm just giving from the generosity of my heart. And, you know, so then you're just doing that, right? And then someday, somebody knocks at the door and says, I got a pizza. I'll give you this pizza if you let me control your life. I'll give you this pizza if you do whatever I want you to do. You'll never starve because I'm going to give you this pizza as long as you're good to me. Well, as long as you're good to me, like we just talked about, what does that even mean? Hmm. And so the conditionality, if you've got a full kitchen, if you got a magical kitchen, you're like, no, thanks. 
I don't need that. I have what I need inside me. Mm. My heart's full. The love is inside in my magical kitchen. It's not out there. It's in. And so now you're not playing the control over power over game anymore. Right. You're not a drug addict. We are our own best cooks. Love comes within. Your heart is like that magical kitchen. If you open your heart, you already have all the love you need. There's no need to go around the world begging for love. I wish I'd have read that before I went around the world begging for love. But I also learned a lot of lessons from that going around the world begging for love. I learned so much from all that dating I did. It was amazing. I met so many people. I learned that everybody has a different dream of life. I learned that people were reflecting to me different aspects of myself, different faces, different masks that I wore. I could connect with people with those masks. And so the work has been to take off the masks and just be. And that part is the part we do in inner medicine as well. So love is a relationship with yourself. You have to focus on the most wonderful relationship you can have, the relationship with yourself. And stop thinking that somebody outside of yourself can actually give you more love. Or do a better job of loving you. Or hold your, can you hold my happiness, please? (laughs) You're probably going to break it. Give it to me back. You know, because that's what happens when we give our love to somebody Or it's like, oh, that's nice. Oh, I like that. I can keep that over here. I'll tell you what, I'll give that back if you do this and this and this. Yeah. If you do what I want, you can have it back. Then I'll let you have it. And then I'll like you again and you can have it. It, this is, you know, this is manipulation, but when you're generous, mm-hmm. generosity opens all the doors. What makes you happy is coming out of you. And if you're generous with your love, everyone's going to love you because you're in the vibration of love. You already have your love. Your fountain of love is overflowing and you're generous. And you know, and you're not going to ever be alone in that. Mm-hmm. You might be like, please leave me alone. I need space. Yeah. Well, I know people that have really, you know, have a lot of love to give and they need that time alone because they do need space alone. Right. Yeah. yeah. To check in with themselves. Like that time that you, that, that I have this most amazing hot bath with, with bath salts. And, you know, you might have, I might even have flowers (laughs) or, oh, I'm just coming up with stuff now. Roses and you throw petals in there. He does do this. But the way that you feel when you get out of that bath and it's just yours. How full will you be when it comes to the person that you really love sharing love with to actually interact with her and to say, hi, how are you? How has your day been? My day has been amazing. I had the most awesome bath. You know, that's that, that the way that exudes in that feeling is I'm coming from a place of resourcefulness now, you know, and I'm not just trying to bypass my feelings. I'm doing fine. How are you? Uh, that's not connected. That's disconnected. That's pretending to want to be connected. So there's there's this this there's no bypass happening. I can actually be a hundred percent present with you, Carrie. Because you got into your own heart mm-hmm. and you took care of yourself. Yep. And and then when he's done that, it's really delightful to be around him. And then what it reflects back to me based on my reaction to it is whether or not I have taken care of myself Mm. because if I see him getting out of the bath and I'm like, well, that looks nice. And that little (laughs) bitchy voice comes up inside. I'm like, well, isn't that nice that you just had a nice bath? You know, you're just lounging in the whole bath. (laughs) If I have that go off inside me, I'm like, oops, 
Carrie needs a bath. <laughs> some part of Carrie needs some self care. Carrie's been moving way too fast and not taking care of herself. I so now I gotta slow down and take care want of me. me. To start a hot bath. For and you sometimes here? he will, and I don't want his leftover bath. I'll be like, drain the whole thing. <laughs> right. I'm not getting in your leftover cootie bath. Like, drain it. Start over. Fill it back up. You know, I need my bath, and now you get out. You know, yeah. and then and then, and then when I get done with my feel, okay, I had my time for myself. Now I got my candles, I had my bath, my bubbles, I had my incense. I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, good. Ah, I her, feel good. And she, then she has her Calgon take me get, away. Calgon man. take me away, for and then I'm ready to talk to him. I'm like, and then, okay, and then now we're both meeting each other like this. <laughs> we're meeting each we're other both. like this is her, this is me. We're both meeting each other it's like. Hi, it's almost like we both just met each other for the first, <laughs> for the time, first time at a park. You know, Aren't it's just you a sexy thing. Yeah. Hi. Hello. You? You're looking wonderful. <laughs> I like you. Good but to see, see you. now, this is only because if I like myself, because mm. we have four kids. Okay. So we have a lot of chaos going on inside our walls, depending on the day. Somebody's got some issue, somebody's got this, and then the air conditioning thing broke, and then the water thing needs to be fixed. And then, like, you can't even, like, I can't even breathe sometimes. There's so much stuff going on. And, well, you have to stop and breathe because if you try to have what I learned is if we try to have that conversation when we're like that, that's when the emotional hooks start. That's when, well, we catch it because we're smart to it now. <laughs> well, if you had we're like, complete, whoops. If you haven't had a complete night's sleep. <laughs> if you didn't get a full night's sleep. If you if you were rushing around all day, you couldn't even barely like get a breath because of all the chaos that was stirred up around you. Then you're like, okay, I know I need, I want to respect you. So in order to respect you, I need to be the best me possible, mm. which means I have to check in what does Carrie need to be the best her. Carrie needs a padded room and 30 minutes to just let it all out. <laughs> and then some dishes and break some dishes or whatever. I don't know what I need, the but I might room, need yeah. a wrecking room. I'm other days. I might need to go cry. Yeah. Other days I might need a bath. I might need to go sit outside yeah, on the front nature. lawn. I might need to breathe like a gallon of agua farita. You know, I might need to do, I might need to do my pacho myself. Uh, there's a lot of things I might need to get back in my heart and back in my presence and in my moment so that I can show Akeem the respect that he deserves to have the conversation that we need to have. And, and that I can honor her in giving her the space that she needs because she deserves it. Not because I want something in return after all the waiting. It's because I want you to be your best. I want you to be supported and I'm going to give you what you need. It's not because I want you to give me something later. It's because it's the right thing to do. I want her to be her best self. And then when we set boundaries with each other, it's not from a place of you're so toxic. I'm putting up a wall and a boundary and I'm telling you what not to do because you're touching my wounds, right? So that's a very different energetic. It's more like, I want to respect you mm -hmm. and I want to give us the best chance possible to have a meaningful conversation that brings us to the next level of transparency and intimacy. So I'm telling you that for me, because I'm a manifester, I'm going to inform you now that for me, starting really huge conversations at midnight is not working for me. Like, 
big conversations need to happen when I can devote some time to it. And I'm prepared for that conversation to happen. Not midnight, not 3am, not 5am. An agreed time. Agreed a time on yeah. a calendar that I can know that I'm going to have this conversation and that you trust that I'm going to show up for that conversation mm. at my best. Mm -hmm. And that that builds the trust mm -hmm. because now you don't need to have that and if there's a part of you that needs that address right now, that's probably a little child, you know, inside that needs love. So this is where we become responsible for our, our inner children, mm -hmm. right? And yep. managing and caring for the inner child, becoming our parents so we can really hold each other and holding ourselves, we're holding each other. Yeah. And that's a, it's just a very different relationship dynamic than I experienced with my first long-term relationship. Mm. So I, I think it's blessing. And mine too. And, you know, that just leads segments into this beautiful question. So I've got what I call reflection time. Yeah, we're, we're getting close discussion. to the end. We just talked to you guys for like an hour. So, ah. so let's, let's do something here for reflection time. Let's gauge your view on the relationships in your life. That's a big question. So just take your time with that. That's something that you can do off camera. Take as long as you need but just gauge your particular view on what these relationships are and have been in your life. And are you in the track of fear? Yeah. Are, are you, you in are the you, track of love? Or are you somewhere in between? Well, are you labeling them? Are you labeling what the experience is? Are you able, able to feel a sensation within your body? Does something feel stuck when you think of a certain person? Do you, what, what, what happens within you? Do you trust that if there's something that comes up that you can have the conversation and and that you'll be respected. Mm -hmm. And the next question is, where is the love at in this type of relationship for me? How much fear, if you were to say, is it a, like according to Don Miguel Ruiz Sr. in here, he says 95% fear is ever common in his experience and 5% love. And even if the fear was down to 60%, that's still a relationship dominated by fear. So take a look at that. And we're all doing this together too. So yeah. like, just realize this is a great awakening, right? It's yeah. a process and we're waking ourselves up out of fear into love and it's going to take practice. We're all asking that question. Love is practice. Yeah. And, and even the, the time, there's some information that, that we both came across and, and shared that uh, astrologically, we are in a time where Pluto meets with Aquarius in a way that it hasn't met since the French Revolution. So what happened in the French Revolution? Major upheaval, major turn. So it's bringing you the, the conversation about where do you want to be as things are growing and evolving to a bigger, better way? And what's your inner revolution? You know, what is your inner revolution around love in your life? Where do you want to be? What kind of relationships do you want to practice in your life? Do you want to practice fear of relationships like we've been experiencing for thousands of years? Or do you want to practice love? Mm -hmm. And, and it's not easy. So it is challenging. And, and, you know, you do get icky feelings inside your body and it does get, you know, from time to time, but then it also clears up and it also opens and it also shows so much. You know, it's just a, it's such a beautiful 
beautiful thing I've, I've been experiencing with my partner. Yes. And Akeem and I, you know, just for people asking, we have been working on our relationship now. We met eight years ago mm-hmm. and so we both had a previous marriage with kids and a divorce. Mm-hmm. And so we both experienced, you know, the fear dynamics and the control and manipulation and the drug addict and the, you know, the dealer. We, we both experienced that yep. personally for decade or more. I, for me, a little bit longer. And then we also experienced being alone and we also experienced having our independence and, and being Give a solo back. parent yeah. and yeah. figuring out who we were after all that experience. There you go. And then, so by the time we met, we were like, okay, we were on the same page about the four agreements. We were on the same page about mastering love. And, and we were on the same page that mastering love takes personal work. It's going to take me owning my garbage and you owning your garbage and me respecting your garbage and not telling you, you better clean that up, you know, but like respecting each other and saying, that's not, that's a, you know, my heart is open to you. It sounds like a challenging thing you're going through. And okay, I hear you. And we've had so many challenging things come up so many that it would take another hour for us to share with you all of those and <laughs> probably a week. Yes. But we, you know, we hired mentors that helped us through the process of becoming what we knew we needed to be, which is leaders together, walking side by side. Does anybody else have that? Like, I know I want, you know, I want that sacred partnership where we do our work together and we're like out there in community and we're giving our gifts yeah. and we're serving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's also inner medicine is we're, we're opening people up to that because it starts with you. Like we train healers, we train healers in our community, but it starts with you. A healer must know how to themselves first. Mm -hmm. If we don't know ourselves, we don't know what we might be projecting on other people. We got to know the terrain before we can help other people. And, and as, as a couple, we've always known this is, we want to do this but we needed to work on us first. We needed to clean up our home first, our family system, our relationship, integrate our kids, you know, make sure everybody was in a good place after all the trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, and get things cleaned up and do our work as parents and do our work as a couple. So it's been, it's a, it's a 24 by seven investment and it's putting a lot of love in the, in a a lot of coins in the love bank, you know, so we have a mint. There you go. About right now love <laughs> with tank. each other. We have a love tank. We are wealthy in love. So yeah. And so it's great work. So if you ever want to do that kind of thing, reach out, but inner medicine training is a good place to start because that is your inner work. That's where you start working on you discernment and get you knowing heart. you. So then you can lead and you can he- be a healer if you want, or you can um, be a really good parent. Yeah. All of those roles that we play that we want to be clean. You know, we don't want to project our poison on other people. We want to be clean. So yeah. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Um, we're doing this once a month. And then of course we're in the portal every day on telegram. So if you want to be part of this conversation, um, on a daily basis and get drips from Akeem, I flit in and out of the telegram. He's there every single day. Hummingbird. I'm a hummingbird. I come in with, when I get a really good download, I'm like, here it is, you know? And so I kind of come with bursts of that. Um, but, uh, we invite you to come join our telegram. It's, uh, the, the email will go out to everybody that registered and in the show notes, this will be on YouTube. So in the show notes, you can, um, also find out how to join us. 
and it's $52 for the whole year, 2024 mastery of love, uh, for February. And then we might do another month in it because it is a pretty meaty book. Like we only talked about half of the book. This is so much to, to digest, unpack, take a look at. So put one word in the chat of how this, what this was like for you tonight. What did it mean to you? We see that. Um, thank you so much. And we're so appreciative of this. Thank you for the hour. You said we're adorable. You two are adorable. Yay. Have you thought about doing couples counseling? Yes. We're, we're definitely mentoring people. Beautiful conversation. Thank you. Beautiful souls. And, and whatever this meant to you, we're so grateful for you being with us and sharing your hearts and your minds and your energy and your love and, and join us in, in tribe, join us in community and soul nectar tribe. Oh, thank you. The discussion is amazing, enlightening. Thank you, Gabrielle. Beautiful. Uh, we so thank you, Aiden. We love you seeing you again. Astara, we're so grateful. Mary Lou, Christine. Yeah, we're so grateful to see you all. And we'll see you next month. So we're going to decide if we need to do another month on love, mastery of love. It's such a meaty book. There's so much in it. We might yeah. do one more month on it before we move on. Hmm. Um, and definitely we'll be doing the four agreements again at some point this year because that also is another book that's like can be revisited endlessly. Okay. So everyone just take a nice deep breath. Let's take one breath together. Nice big belly breath and release one more breath, breathing in love and breathing out love. Oh, beautiful. Have a wonderful night, everyone. We're so grateful you joined us. There's our Asagate baby. We love y'all. You guys have a good night, and we'll talk to you the next time we see you. Bye for now. Bye for now.